This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host John Solberg. Today's show a doubleheader pulled from November 15th, 2011. Shane Draper, Draper's Barbecue Sauce and Rub Maker. Shane's going to go into some high level details on things to consider if you want to bring your sauce or rub to market. Still relevant today as it was in 2011. Let's get to it. Here's Greg and Shane from November 15th, 2011. He's going to share his experience with us tonight. It's uh, Shane Draper of Draper's BBQ. Shane, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm great, Greg. How are you, man? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Shane. I appreciate you taking time out to join me tonight. Shane, you've, you have both a sauce and a rub, and we'll kind of, I guess, start with the sauce, but... For the questions tonight, if you can work in, oh, by the way, rub also kind of follows similar lines, or if you, if they kind of seem similar in question and you can fit both answers and just go ahead. Uh, we don't want to really restrict it to anything. Uh, but So we'll talk about both as well. Let's start with the sauce first, since that's the first thing I tried when you sent me a, uh, a pack a little while ago. Is this a family recipe, Shane, or is this something that it's like a Shane Draper original that you concocted yourself? The stuff that's uh, now smoking sauce is an original. Uh, my f- there is a family recipe of uh, my grandfather's. It's a vinegar-based sauce, but uh, as much as we love it, there's just not a wide enough appeal uh, to market it nationwide. So we uh, we went with uh, with my sauce. All right. Now, when did you decide at looking at getting into the sauce market? Were there just rave reviews from friends and family? Were you getting this false encouragement from people telling you that you needed to risk your ass in order to get this stuff? I mean, look, people tell me all the time, it's this is great or that is great and they, that I should sell it, but they don't really understand the risk involved. And as Ray said, you kind of have to have uh, brass balls in order to, to get into this when you're living an entrepreneurial lifestyle. When did you decide that this might be a step you were willing to consider? Well, it was kind of a multifaceted process. I don't think you all of a sudden wake up one day and the lightning comes down from uh, from the sky and you go, "Hey, I'm going to make this, uh, this great sauce." Um, believe it or not, my my journey to making sauces actually started with uh, one of Ray's books. I picked it up uh, one one winter, went through it, just kind of figured out how to make some sauces, and decided, you know, I think I can make a pretty good sauce, and just kept really working at it and tweaking at it. And then we started using it in a couple small-time competitions, and I gave it out to a couple friends and a couple really uh, highly respected palates that I knew these guys knew what they were talking about. And uh, you kept getting that reaction of not just, wow, this is good or this is okay. Uh, it was, well, this is amazing. You really got uh, to market this. And I, I still didn't follow their advice at that point. It took us going to uh, Memphis in May in 2010 with uh, Team Tucker Cooker, we were invited with them, and I entered my sauce as uh, the tomato base uh, category, and we took 12th place there. So winning that or, or getting a, a nice 
rank in the competition there kind of gave you that impetus to jump off. Do you have any ideas you are making this sauce and making this sauce? How many iterations you went through before you came out with Draper Smoking Sauce? I would say about 65, 70 before Memphis in May and another 20 post Memphis in May to get it wow. tight enough wow. to you know go to the factory with. So where did you find the info necessary to take that next step? I mean, once you're like, yeah, okay, got all this feedback from people that I trust, and uh, we did well at a competition as far as getting judged by other people that uh, you know maybe I don't know at all. And now I want to look at potentially getting it to market. Is it something that you knew about? Did you have experience in any type of food service industry? Did you know anybody that had food service industry experience to help you kind of move it along? Yeah, I probably had the least amount of experience of anyone uh, when it comes to, to sauce and how to get it to market. Mine was a lot of research, asking a lot of questions, making a lot of phone calls, and just really wearing people out to get the info I needed. Do you have any specific examples of, of where you went to get this info? Uh, when you start kind of in your local area, I, I'd recommend anyone to pick a bottler somewhat close to them because it will save you a lot in the long run uh, as far as headaches and you get a little more creative control of your product if you can go face-to-face with these guys. So we started just looking in the media area first as to who could bottle on a nationwide level. So sauce was first, right? Rub was secondary to the sauce as far as getting something else to market? Yeah, I mean, we had a rub, but I never had any intention of marketing it once I had the rub. I intended for that to just be for our competition team, uh, and we kind of figured out as we marketed the sauce pretty quickly that we needed a secondary product pretty quick to be able to uh, bring in enough cash flow to keep everything afloat. All right, so that was a very nice segue that you had there. Money involved. How much does it really cost, and perhaps even more importantly than a number that you could shoot out for us, just in your experience, some of the hidden costs associated with bringing a sauce to market? Oh, there's tons. Uh, You know, the design work that has to go into labeling and websites and and all these things, if, if you can't do that stuff on your own or you don't have someone who can put uh, an inordinate amount of time uh, into this freely for you, then you got to pay them. And I, I know friends that have tied up uh, several thousand dollars in just that part of the, uh, the the bringing it to market. All right, so let's kind of go you know line by line because as I was saying, you know when you have people telling you that this stuff is great, you should get it to market. They they don't understand what the costs involved are. So. You know, four labels, four web designs, four logos, and UPC codes, and FDA adherence on the label, all of this stuff. Not to mention that first batch of cost and shipping the product to be reviewed, all that other stuff. What are you looking at as far as cost to just to kind of say you're in this game? I would say on the low end, if, if you're not prepared to throw about five grand at it, you're, wow. you're probably not being realistic. That's a lot of money, right? It, it certainly is. And, and keep in mind, that's for one product. Yeah. Um, I, and, and I know people can do it cheaper. Um, I mean, I did mine for less than that. But I've got, for example, in our label, I did all the artwork on that label. I did the actual design myself. I've got 40-plus hours of just my time in that label. 
Um, now, if if I didn't have the skills to do that, that's you know probably ten hours of a designer's time at you know however many hundreds of dollars an hour. Oh. Another thing that's very important, of course, is logo. You want your stuff to stand out. Uh, how do you come up with a, a logo design? Is that something you farm out to one Patrick Carlson from like Hotspot, or do you do that as well, Shane? I think you just got to look at what your skills are. I mean, I, I'm blessed to have skills in a lot of areas, and that's not pat myself on the back at all. I've just done a lot, <laughs> you know, with in different roles and different jobs that I can I can do some of that as far as artistry. Um, but you, you really got to get a logo that speaks to you, represents your company well, and also will speak to the customer as they walk down the aisle and say, you know, Walmart or the local butcher shop or whatever. You know, your your logo is everything when you start. I mean, they can't taste what's in the bottle. They've got to take a chance on it. All right, and then of course I would imagine you're you're gonna have to list out products and or not products but ingredients that are in these rubs and, and FDA all that stuff. Right. The, the really good part is when you work with a co-packer, um, and, and there's back and forth. Some say go with one that has a scientist uh, there that can help you, and that is more expensive. And there's some that say don't go with one that has a scientist because that's cheaper. I got to tell you, if your intention from the get go, and I, and I recommend that everyone sit down and, and really have this heart to heart with themselves. Is your intention to put something on your store shelves within a five-mile drive or a 500 or 1,500-mile drive? Um, you know, if you really want to see your product on all those shelves, you may as well go ahead and go on in with the big boys, get it done the right way, and get your ingredients listed correctly, and be prepared to make that jump with your co-packer when you get that phone call and they say, we need hundreds of pallets of you know product, not just a box. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at John J O N at the BBQ Central Show Now we're talking about co-packers, so we'll kind of transition into this portion of the conversation. Uh, you said you were able to find one in a couple weeks. Did you did you interview any other ones? Did anybody tell you no? We don't want to we don't want to get into business with you. Yeah, there's there's a lot that will tell you no. Um, if they don't think you're going to be a big line product, uh, we're we're bottled on the same uh, line as uh, uh, Stubbs and a few others. So we picked a bigger co packer, um, but because of that, we had to give up a few choices for say like what bottle we're in and things like that. But I wanted a big co-packer that I could, I knew I could go national with and not have to change in midstream to a different co-packer. Um, so, again, every decision in this process is pretty simple, but it's not necessarily easy because everything affects everything else. So it's a, it's a lot of domino effect stuff that you don't realize until you're six months past making that decision. Now, when you met with these guys and you felt good about joining, they felt good about you as a line that they would like to represent, how quickly are they able to match your recipe and kind of get it up and running? Um, if you've got a pretty simplistic recipe, uh, they could turn that out in, in about a week, maybe two. We had a pretty complex recipe, and I was very, very – anyone that knows me when it comes to label design, logo design, any products that have our name on it, I mean, I'm very exacting. The stuff in that bottle that ships – I knew if I couldn't open it and use it in a competition, I wouldn't sell it. So we fought over ingredients. They really tried to help me out by recommending other ingredients to bring the price down. 
and I wouldn't I wouldn't go with that because I, I wanted exactly the same thing I was using, uh, you know, on at in my house on my stove turning out these competition sauces. And, and I did the same thing for our rub. I just would not uh, give in on any of the ingredients. Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions was. You know, are they trying to change your recipe at all, or were they coming across acting like they knew more about your product than you did as far as taking it out of the house and into more of a, a commercial aspect? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're really trying to be helpful, so keep that in mind. They, they've done this a long time, and most of them are very, very good people. Uh, we're very blessed to have two of the best co-packers in the business. I, I firmly believe that. Um, they're really trying to help me get my bottom line down. Because they know the companies that don't make it are the ones that can't manage cash flow, and you know if if you're if my cost on a product is, you know let's let's just pick a magical number is five dollars per per bottle, uh-huh. and I'm having to sell it at at seven, I'm just not making enough yeah. per unit to really stay in business. Did you have to come, you know when you're going through all the products and and your or the ingredients and they're making these recommendations to you? I mean, at the end of the day, these people know what they're talking about. They're dealing with some other big lines. Did you have to make any compromises, Shane, in quality of ingredients, uh, in order to meet either like shelf life or uh, in order to meet your margin requirements? Because you're a business guy. I mean, you know what you're going to need to be making to make it sustainable. So did you have to relent on anything, or did you just say, no way, it doesn't matter? Well, you know, honestly, in hindsight, I, there's a couple places I probably should have relented, to be honest with you, and I know this sounds crazy, uh, but but I'm glad I didn't. We, we went through some really lean times, uh, you know, first, second batches, uh, trying to get the the capital in and you know keep keep the money rolling, but you know what it really taught us to be lean quick. Uh, we appreciated the advice we were given, and and I was just like I said so stubborn at the time that I just wouldn't relent. But thankfully the the co packers both played ball with us, and in the end we got a far far superior product to to a lot of the things out there uh, today, especially on any of the big box stores. And I'm thankful for that. When, when we sell a bottle of our saucer rub. I don't feel ashamed at all of anything that's in there, and we've got ding from a few customers about you know saying, "Well, your your product has high fructose corn syrup," and and I'll tell you that this is kind of like a Dave's rant on uh, on uh, CAB uh, beef. There, uh, you know, the only place we have high fructose is in our ketchup base, and it's there because frankly that ketchup base tasted better than with the regular without it, um, but. You know, you're not drinking five gallons of this stuff at a time. It's a little bit of sauce, and I just don't get what the big deal is in America with the uh, with the high fructose corn syrup and, and barbecue sauces. But that's that's just my personal rant. Wow, that was uh, crazy. Just like Dave was. Uh, just kidding. Uh, Shane Draper joining us here on the show now. When we're talking about that very first run, you agree, what was the minimum that they said you were going to have to, to put through? You said it was 50-gallon batches or something like that? Uh, for the sauce, it was 50 gallons. For the rub, it was 50 pounds. Uh, both very, very manageable. Yep. And like I said, now I've, I've talked to other companies, and it was uh, double and triple that easily. Uh, but thankfully, our bottler and uh, for, for both the sauce and the rub have very low minimums and have a very good great uh way to deal with very small companies like us so i mean how many bottles is that of sauce uh it works out to like 300 almost 400 bottles somewhere in there 
All right, so you have 300 bucks. Now, I, I would imagine these guys aren't giving you terms. You're going to have to bone out cash as soon as it's done with production, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's If, if you want it, yeah, it's done. You're, you're cutting the check for it to pick it up, right? I mean, there's, there's no... Uh, no, uh, you know, net 30 terms at first. Uh, all these things uh, you'll learn as you go through this process are kind of earned. As you do more volume and you do more business, you get this better deal and, and things of that nature. As far as uh, I mentioned, uh, they dictated a little bit of what the bottle we were in for our sauce. They wanted to bottle us on their cheaper line that included a glass bottle because it was cheaper for them to do so. And cheaper for us, might I add, at the time. And we've taken it in the shorts on shipping and handling because that glass bottle is way yeah, heavier right. it feels better it looks better but it's costing us in shipping and we've just now hit a volume where we can transition into plastic and we will after the new year all right so that was the next question or the, the next uh, subsection that we're going to be talking about picking the right bottle for your product or at least let's say packaging for your product uh, for instance in rubs some are in bags with ziploc style seal some just come almost look like they're batch produced they have no entry point except that you're just going to cut it open and then who knows how the hell you're going to store it to keep it fresh yours is in a shaker a lot of other rubs are in a shaker as well is this something that you were able to pick off like right off at the top as far as as the rub is concerned uh, or was that not even an option obviously we know the deal with the co-packer as far as the sauce is concerned and, and what you're going to be doing after the first of the year. But I mean, what kind of rub options did they offer you for, as far as packaging is concerned? We rushed our rub production so much. I didn't quite honestly look at, uh, at options. We, uh, we needed rub and we needed it yesterday. They offered it in the bottle that we're in now. I ordered 5,000 labels and that set that ball into motion. Uh, we've been since offered a few other options, including the one pound. Uh, I kind of consider it the bulk pack that a lot of our competition teams buy. Uh, it's not resealable, but because most of those guys are dumping that whole pound in a shaker most times anyway, uh, we will probably uh, move into more of a resealable bag um, again right after the new year. But And again, this, this all comes down to we have enough volume that we can start dictating some of the terms back and it becomes cost, you know, effective instead of prohibitive for us to do so now. All right. Well, let me be an idiot and ask the question. Is a Ziploc bag or a resealable bag style delivery method more expensive than a shaker bottle? It can be. You, you would be surprised what, what is and isn't more expensive. For example, most people would assume the glass bottle uh, for the sauce is more expensive and it's actually less expensive. Uh, and it's just because of the way glass is recycled and the way they can buy it in bulk. You know, one of the things that I've always said, because people are like, you know, Greg, you should uh, market your sauce. You should sell your sauce. And I can't, I can't honestly, or people want me to make it for them, you know, just people at work or they've had it and they just want me to make this. I will not make sauce for people because the cost for me to make it that I would charge them would be so high because of the ingredients that I'm using. And, of course, uh, I have to take into account the, the time that it's taking me. You know, It could take up to three hours for me to do the sauce just the way I want it because I like to have it a consistency and it tastes each and every time, and it's got to be the same for me in order to want it to potentially even give it. But the price would be just insanely uh, outrageous. Are, are you able to compare? combat uh, or, or is it the simple way of thinking that you're able to combat high pricing in bottling the more you buy the less you're going to be paying 
Well, exactly. And, and it becomes an issue of, do you want to be a company that bottles sauce or do you want to be a company that sells sauce? I mean, there's a time, uh, uh, you know, associated to that. If I make you a gallon of sauce on my stovetop, I'm going to charge you like 75 bucks yeah, for right. it, right? Exactly. If, if, if I give you a gallon of sauce from our factory, I'm going to charge you 20 bucks for it. And it, you know, I would, the profit I'd make on that is still better than what I would have made on my stove because they can do it in just such high volume. Shane Draper, Draper's Barbecue. There's a lot more to this interview. If you want to learn more about starting your own saucer rub company, there's some more detail in this show. The link directly to the show is at thebbqcentralshow.com under the best moment show notes for November 15th, 2011. Just a reminder, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show via podcast from the bbqcentralshow.com page. Like, share, follow, leave me some feedback, and uh, please rate and review the show wherever possible. Thanks so much for checking it out. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I'm your host, John Solberg. I'll talk to you soon.